We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. Alex Hurst here talking to you all today in my role as podcast host, a True Faith but also the chairperson of the board of the Newcastle United Supporters Trust. Today's episode, we have 11 fantastic Newcastle United supporting candidates for you who are all uh, standing for election for the Trust Board. That election starts Friday, tomorrow. I'm releasing this on Thursday, tomorrow. Uh, If you're not a member of the Trust and would like to vote in this election, um, you have to register by midnight tonight, which is Thursday. If you've missed that deadline... Uh, we still want you, we still need you as a supporters trust, one of the biggest if not the biggest supporters trust in the country, which should surprise no one due to the strength and passion of Newcastle United support, uh, it's only £2 to join, it's £1 per year thereafter, would love to have you on board, because you listen to the True Faith podcast, you probably uh, have made that decision already, because I talk about it a lot, but if you aren't a member, we need you um, if you are a member these are 11 fantastic candidates who have done a very brave thing they've put themselves forward in a very public process to become uh, or to put themselves forward for election to this board there are five places up for grabs so you will get five votes of the 11 six of them unfortunately will not be successful uh, and i take my hat off to all of them last year we had one of the biggest supporter elections in the country over 3000 newcastle fans voted in the election that i was lucky enough to uh, to win and join three other people on the board uh, this year and every year we plan to have these elections but want to make the trust as open and as democratic and as accessible as possible we aren't perfect we're far from perfect and we have much to do as an organization um to represent our members better to become more accessible but the elections are a key part of that and we really hope that everyone listening today votes and sometimes you hear a lot of criticism about the trust. I certainly do. A lot of them is put towards me. That's fine. What I always say to people, the great thing about the trust is you can influence it. You can influence it by standing. You can influence it by voting. So this is the chance. Um, the voting lasts several days. Members will be emailed. And what I'd love for you all to do now is listen to this podcast right until the end to give every single person who's been good enough to come and speak to you and ask for your vote. Make sure you hear them out. Uh, 11 fantastic candidates what I'm going to do now you'll hear a little bit of me uh, in the rest of the show but mostly not which is probably a good thing and I've got 11 people here who are going to talk about themselves talk about the trust and their passion for Newcastle United so I hope it's a good listen thanks to all of you for listening as usual and thanks to the 11 
who have decided to put themselves forward for this Supporters Trust election. We're going to kick things off uh, with introductions. A couple of these guys you will have heard before, both Charlotte Robson, Mark Corby, True Faith Podcast regulars. Uh, In the interest of fairness, everyone can introduce themselves though, so we're going to kick off with the first candidate, and that's Steve Harrop. I'm 60 years old, uh, but that doesn't exclude me from from being fully alive and alert. Um, I'm currently um, taking a little bit of a sabbatical from a work perspective. Uh, I've worked for 36 years in in a number of positions, senior positions, and um, I'm now ready to get engaged with other things in my life, and and this is my big passion, so yes, uh, ready to go. The journey as a Newcastle United fan, oh, crikey, you know, lots of heartache, lots of upset, many tears, the odd occasional bit of happiness, uh, and I've inflicted all of this on my family, my two, three sons, and my four grandkids. They've all, they've all now got it in their genes. Um, but originally, uh, it was actually 1967, it was a, a pre-season game at uh, Ayrson Park, and my mum and dad took me along to watch the match with Super Wynn Davis leading the line. Uh, there's a little bit of a story to this in the sense that uh, we scored and some woman in front of us from Middlesbrough, some smoggy, uh, said, uh, you dirty little Geordie, bleep, bleep, bleep. And uh, so my mum went in a handbag. She's only four foot nothing, or she was only four foot nothing, picked out a, an umbrella and whacked her over the head. So we didn't see the second half. Uh, and that's and that started the journey. So from there to, to today... Um, I had a look at my uh, account 352 times, or 352 loyalty points. So it's been a long journey. Uh, but do you know what? I've loved it every minute of the way. I'm Linda Bush, um, Newcastle United supporter. Um, when did I start supporting Newcastle? Um, in the womb, perhaps? I think it's just a it's a, it's a rite of passage for uh, within my family, I guess, and um probably shouldn't admit to this but that's despite me being the only person that was born south of the Tyne I was born in Jarrow so um the rest of the family are proper big uh Newcastle United fans I had a a half sorry an older brother who's three years older than me so um it's a bit of a non-negotiable really I I came out of the womb and um yeah that's me Newcastle United through and through I'm John um I thought 34 year old dad of two um and I've supported Newcastle for as long as I can remember um I was in the primary school playground and I was aggressively asked, did I support Newcastle? Um, and um, it's one of those things where it's a highs and lows. So, yeah, um, first match was 1995 against Wimbledon, 1-6-1. Ferdinand scored a hat-trick. Uh, Vinnie Jones went in goal because uh, the keeper got sent off. Um, so um, that's my that's my earliest memory of St James's Park. And, um, and then I was a season ticket holder for 15 years. Um, and I've been probably to be between 25 to 50 away games, probably, you know, about 35-ish mark. Um, and, yeah, uh, recent, more recently been a member when, uh, you know, I think um, my appetite for having a season ticket uh, waned a little bit when, when apathy um, set in a little bit at the club. Hello, my name is Charlotte Robson, and my journey supporting Newcastle started... I think from conception, though I don't have memories of that time, um, my family are all from the northeast. I'm from the northeast. My dad is a big Newcastle fan. He was taken to matches by his granddad, um, 
and um and so it runs in the family um I've always yeah I've just always loved the club I've used to I've got an older brother and he used to go to the games and I used to be so desperate to go and uh, I eventually got that privilege on the on my birthday actually in 2000 I got to see Newcastle United smash Derby County 3-2 um and that was just after the ground had been expanded I think so um that's just my bike falling over I do apologize um yeah, I got to watch Newcastle United beat Derby County. Um, and I just remember being, I remember being slightly confused and really excited and very welcomed by the fans. So that's my journey so far. My name is Thomas Concannon. Uh, I'm currently, I'm from, well, I'm from Newcastle. And I currently live in Newcastle uh, and I started supporting Newcastle United from as early as I can remember. And I've had a season ticket since I was nine years old. So uh, the year of 2000 was my was my first season ticket, yeah. Uh, I'm Johnny. I'm, I'm from Durham. Um, currently living in Singapore. I've been here for almost two years now. Um, 25 years old. And, and I started supporting Newcastle, well, since since the day I was born, I guess, is, is, a, is a much of a cliche. But uh, my first game was in 99, which was Crystal Palace at home. Shea Given got sent off after five minutes and we went 1-0 down, 1-2-1 and, and I probably should have known then what I was in for. Um, I've been season ticket holder home and away for, for the next 20-odd years after that until I moved to Singapore and, and I'm ashamed to say I haven't I haven't been back or I haven't even um, seen any any really, any any football for, for almost two it's years Alex. now. So yeah, I'm Alex Nicholson and thanks for, for giving me a chance to speak on the podcast today. Um, so my family are from from Newcastle, uh, from kind of a mixture of Gosforth and Forden. Uh, a good chunk still live in kind of uh, Newcastle and surrounding area. Um, but I grew up down in Nottingham and now live down in London. Uh, my name's uh, Daniel Olsen. I'm 38, married uh, for 16 years with uh, two kids at 15 and 9. Uh, I live in Oslo. Uh, in Norway at the moment, I'd live in Newcastle if it was an option. <laughs> Uh, I started supporting Newcastle in 95-96 when Keegan was at the helm and Newcastle were battling for the title, uh, mostly because it was popular back then. Uh, but it kind of stuck. Um, I wasn't able to watch uh, that much back then, but uh, some FA Cup games a few years later on and stuff started coming on TV. Uh, grew even more interested in them at uh, around 25 years old and and so on, going in on forums, watching more games on TV, things like that. Uh, Up until that point, I followed transfer news and stuff on, what do you call it, text TV? Uh, I remember watching our results in the Champions League, for example, with uh, Bob Robson on there. Uh, getting through to the second stage by winning the last uh, three group games. So, um, yeah, and it's just been uh, an ever-escalating thing from uh, there on, being more and more invested in Newcastle United and the NUFC 360 account and stuff like that. I'm Mark Corby. I'm 42 years old for me since. Um, I'm a... Well, from a professional point of view, I work for a company called Hilly, um, a big global uh, tool company. Um, but from a Newcastle perspective, um, being a supporter 
for what's it now? It'll be 34 years. 1986. I was hooked after the the Mexico 86 World Cup when England got the uh, the quarterfinals. And the reason I got hooked on uh, Newcastle was because um, Gary and our strike partner was a Jody called Peter Piazzi. And um, being only seven stroke eight at the time. Um, the whole of the North East seemed to love this, this gen called Peter Piers and he played for Newcastle. So that was it. Newcastle United supporter. Um, and basically it took another, what, 18 months to get to the, get to the games. Um, and, you know, from, from the first time I stepped foot in, uh, in St. James's Park, which was a, a five note victory over Swindon, um, Paul Gascoigne got to. Um, from that moment, that was it. I just fell in, fell in love with, absolutely love with everything about it. You know, even from the, uh, the black, the black and white stripes down to the uh, the players on the pitch, the the stands, the even though the, the ground was an absolute shithole at the time. Um, but yeah, this it's been season ticket holder since 1992. It was it was pretty much forced upon us because of uh, the Keegan revolutionising of the club. That that was a fantastic time to be a supporter and uh, to guarantee your place in the ground. You, you simply had to. Beg your mum or dad to, to pay for your season ticket and get in. Um, so, yeah, season ticket holder since 1992. Um, probably over the last 15, 15, 16 years, when social media has become a massive part of people's lives, that's when I've sort of, you know, got my name a little bit out there in regards to sort of, you know, bringing up a lot of nostalgia. Uh, what I mean by that is um, I, I started a Facebook page with loads of old pictures. And then I started investing a lot of time and effort into, you know, compiling a lot of old nostalgia videos and I put them all on YouTube. Um, everything's free, of course. And then I took on to Twitter, um, where I met the likes of yourself and, and, and other people, um, built a cracking network of, of friends along the way. Um, and also, I'm pleased to see I've, I've written for a number of fanzines over the years, going back to when I was 15, 16 years old. Right up with the modern day with uh, with true faith, and um, I also contribute to the NUFC.com website as well with the, the video links. Um, so overall, quite a, a vast sort of um, dipping of toes into a lot of little projects, but um, absolutely love it. The, the the enjoyable side of Newcastle United at the moment seems to be the nostalgia side for me. Um, but yeah, a, a pretty pretty overview of uh, my time of, of, of as a Newcastle supporter. This is my fault, uh, Alex here again. Uh, this is Adam Beckett. Uh, I should have asked him to say his name, but instead he has the honour of being introduced because I didn't ask. This is Adam Beckett with his answer. So first of all, I'm, I'm 34 years old. Uh, I've been a Newcastle fan um, for 25 years. I was born and raised in, in London um, and the greater London area, but I actually moved to America uh, when I was 18, so 16 years ago now. Um, so I've got a little bit of experience, um, you know, supporting Newcastle sort of nationally uh, in the UK, but also internationally, um, you know, from over here in the United States. So, um, you know, interesting 25 years, of course. Um, I actually became a Newcastle fan thanks to the game of Sabutio, uh, which you all, you know, you all might remember um, comes with a red team and a blue team. Uh, and then eventually you were able to start buying um, other teams uh, and my parents bought me the the black and white team um, and that's how I sort of found um, found Newcastle and of course it was the perfect time because within a year or two they were signing players like Alan Shearer and David Ginola and you know becoming the entertainers so I'm um, you know in some ways I was very lucky. 
My name is Jeffrey Lindahl and I live in Malmö in Sweden and I've been a supporter of Newcastle United since Alan Shero joined the team in 1996. And still, I have a big passion for the fan base of Newcastle United because it is a huge fan base. Even from in Sweden, they talk a lot of the stadium is, they say, wow. Because every supporter is like the 12th man in the pitch. So I was there one time in 2011 and watching Newcastle play against Liverpool, uh, Everton. And it was quite a good game, actually. The atmosphere was quite extraordinary. I was surprised. So listening to all the... Uh, that big fans Newcastle United has. What a set of fantastic introductions, I'm sure you'll agree. Uh, before we get into the serious stuff of what people are standing in this election for and why they would like you to vote for them, I asked all of the candidates one of my favourite questions, or two of my favourite questions, which is what is your favourite game and what is the game that you hate the worst in terms of Newcastle United in the time they've been supporting the club? Uh, great answers here. Um, I'm sure a lot of them will resonate with all of you at home. And there are some really interesting ones, particularly for the worst game. But let's face it, as, as a lot of the candidates said to me after I asked them, there's a few to choose from. First up, it's Thomas Concannon. Yeah, my, my, my favourite Newcastle game, um, whilst the trips around Europe have always been incredible, like an incredible experience, my favourite game was uh, the away trip to Ellen Road back in 2001, December 2001, Leeds 3, Newcastle 4. Um, I was only young, but the experience of coming back from 3-1 down to win it in the last minute is a joy to behold, and, it's, and that feeling has, has rarely been matched since. The worst game is, is, is it's an incredibly difficult question to answer. Um, there's been some absolute dross. There's two that really stand out, um, probably Belgrade in the Champions League. Um, that was probably a huge turning point for the fortunes of the club. And whilst I was young, I, I wasn't young, I, you know, I wasn't too young to, to realise the importance of that. And, and looking back on it, that was obviously an incredibly important game. I think the other one uh, was Hull at home uh, just after Keegan left the second time. Uh, it was toxic. It was disastrous. Uh, the club was just ruined from that day forward and and since it's just been nothing short of a farce with only a couple of highlights mm -hmm. in between. Adam Beckett. Yeah, I've been thinking about this and, and actually I've got three. <laughs> um, so I know I was only supposed to bring one, but three games sort of really stand out to me for, for such different reasons. First of all, um, the 5-0 win against Man U in um, 1996 um, really sort of stands out to me. I'd only been a Newcastle fan for two or three years, but it, it really felt like that was the game in which Newcastle became, you know, one of the biggest clubs in England um, to the rest of the country, if that makes sense. So, you know, while it felt like a big team to us as fans, you know, beating uh, Alex Ferguson's Man U 5-0 really felt like we reached a, a sort of new time period in our history. So that, that was the first one. Um, and then just quickly, two others. The 8 0 win um, in Sir Bobby Robson's first game as Sheffield Wednesday, or against Sheffield Wednesday, that was truly a, a fantastic game. And then another one that stands out to me all, all the way up in 2010 um, was when we beat Sunderland 5 1. Um, you know, again, just a truly fantastic day. And 
all three of those sort of stand out to me as, as truly magnificent games in, in our history. Over to Charlotte Robson. My favourite game. Regular listeners to True Faith, because I've been um, contributing to True Faith now for like three years, coming on three years. Um, regular listeners will know my favourite game, but it was um, the Arsenal 4-4. Um, Czech Tioti pushing in one last goal to um, to bring us level with Arsenal in 2011. That was just the best time I just like I wanted to leave at halftime I was there with my dad and he did not want to leave at halftime because apparently he did that once in 1980 and he'll never do it again um and I was just completely suffocated by him when we equalized and I just like if you if you're talking about the trust and the fans and representing the fans like this is this is a team that was that was like four one down or four nil down at halftime or something, and we were fully expecting to lose. And you know, some people stayed inside on the concourse, but the fans were still there. It was a terrible show at halftime, and they still stuck around. So that was my my number one game. My worst game is more recent. It is it was at Burnley. Um, is a another another one with it that that people who listen to this podcast will probably be aware of because um I just hated every moment apart from the drive over because I was driven over by Alex um from the podcast but and you know going through the dales was lovely but it was snowing it was it was just before christmas i think um yeah it was and um it was snowing or like sleeting you're in that burnley ground which is horrible um, Burnley itself isn't one for the bucket list. Um, and it was just a little bit, it, I mean, we were just terrible. We played terribly. It was an awful game. Um, two teams who didn't want the ball, just dreadful. And then I tried, I was supposed to go back to London from there cause that's where I live at the moment. And I, um, the train was delayed and I missed the last train back to London and, oh. It was just awful. It was just a terrible experience all around. And we're lost. Now, Linda Bush. Oh. Well, there's a lot. Um, uh, I've probably got a couple, but I'll just I'll go for one, um, a, a televised one, um, which uh, most Newcastle fans, in fact, you only have to Google Newcastle 5 and then the rest of it just comes up, which is the, the 5-0 uh, win against Man United, um, particularly pertinent because um, I lived in Manchester at the time. Um, uh, weirdly, uh, it was October the 20th, um, so which was my anniversary of getting together with my current partner. So uh, I think it's 25 years, is it coming up? I'm not sure. Anyway, let's get that right. Anyway, and um, just after everything that had gone on with Keegan, living in Manchester, the, my deep irrational hatred for... Um, manure as they're known in our household and um you know just living in manchester and having to come so close to winning the title uh and having you know keegan there and oh just to, to have that kind of release of that five nil drubbing of uh, of man united and to have the goals that were scored i mean philip albert's goal you know i just i've got hair standing up on my neck now just talking about it and um Whilst I wasn't at that match, it was just, it's an incredible one to have. 
um, to Google and cheer yourself up and, you know, to look back on. And as I say, just the timing of it was just incredible, incredible. So that that would probably be one of my favourite matches. I'd never have a favourite match. <laughs> favourite match would be the one that we just won on uh, Saturday night against Burnley. Um, and my worst match will be the next match when we get we get beaten. And, um, you know, it's just really painful. But uh, if if you are going to ask me, I don't know if you are going to ask me about the worst match. Like tell you about the worst match if I've told you about the best match. So that'd be a good idea. Okay, so um, could pick many many matches that I've stood on the terraces and watched under Mike Ashley. Um, so I've had a season ticket uh, for the whole time that he's uh, he's owned the club. But the 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 real low point for me um, was in 2018, which weirdly I looked this up before, and it's this this October the 20th, which is the same day as the as the, as the Man United game. Really weird. And uh, yeah, it was you know we we got beat one nil by Brighton. You know one nil, not you know it might seem a bit of an unremarkable game to some. A one nil loss at home. It's you know it's it's nothing like what say Liverpool have just had to suffer at the weekend. But it was the manner in which we lost, and it was the it was the fact that the, there seemed to be no fight within the team, no spirit, no desire, no no sort of evidence that we were competing, and to not compete with Brighton. Um, and I got it in my head that uh, got it in my head that um, there was a conspiracy to get Rafa Benitez the sack, and that everybody was in on it, including the current captain Jamal Lascelles. Uh, and I completely lost the plot. And um, shortly after losing the plot, and just was in disbelief that it was such a poor display and the fans were it's toxic on the terraces and shortly after that um you know that game uh, I, I i sort of did a, an assault of a minor celebrity as i was walking out of the ground and just afterwards just thought to myself what a terrible way to behave but that's what had that's what the football game itself had uh, brought out of me so it won't sit in many other people's minds, but in my mind, it was what led me to uh, getting involved in Newcastle United Supporters Trust. Um, so, yeah, so best game, 5-0, Man United, uh, shortly after losing the league. And um, worst game, 1-0 against Brighton, the lowest of the low, uh, as I just thought the whole club was against Rafa. Next up is Steve Harrop. Yeah, right. Well, the, the home game, I won't say too much about because nearly everybody would know this one, is the Barcelona uh, game with Tino, but I took my two boys at the time. I've got three now, but I had two then, and we we all went up as a family and watched that game and the atmosphere and everything. It's just emotionally, you know, and especially the last fifteen twenty minutes when they were making a comeback uh, was, was was almost heart attack stuff. But Tino's hat trick just just blew my mind. Um, away game, this is a real special one for me because I was I was only twelve, but it's the start of going to these away games. And I saw the immortal Tony Green. He's he's my inspirational hero. He's the the one Newcastle United player that that I just adore, really. And we played against that Man United trio of best Charlton and Law, and we beat them two 0 John Tudor scored, and uh, he did that nutmeg on George Best. I didn't see it though; I was too small. I was in the crowd, and I couldn't in in the away end, and I couldn't see it. But uh, I've seen the videos since. So that's the gets the favourite again, Tony Green. Away. A little postscript to that is we played Blackpool, if you remember, 2010-2011 in the championship run. Uh, and, and I was the, the, the at the time, not so much now, but at the time I was around chubby guy with my family. And I was at the back of the stand and Tony Green came on it either before the game or at half time. And I ran down the stand, jumped over the barrier and gave him a huge cuddle. 
uh, I just couldn't not do it. I was, thought I was going to get thrown out, but I wasn't, fortunately, and he was uh, <laughs> he was great. But, uh, yeah, so that's the third game, anyway. Um, well, I'm going to say Exeter City away, 1981, FA Cup replay, the journey, the rain, 4-0, and then oh, a number of years later, I had a huge argument with John Hall on Five Live, and Alan Green was hosting it, and that, I actually shouted down the, <laughs> down the radio at him, well, where were you on a cold, rainy night in Exeter City? What sort of a fan were you there? Because I bet you weren't there, you know. <laughs> so that's that's the worst game, I think. That's the lowest of the low. Now it's Daniel Olsen. Yeah, it has to be the 4-4 against Arsenal, which is pretty good uh, as I watched the whole game. And I was really down after the first half. They had put four past us and there was no way back. Uh, we had Pardue at the time and uh, you wouldn't expect him to say the right things to get us going again. But in the 70, 70 minutes, we uh, played 20 left, minutes left of the game, a consolation goal, and that was fine. Best uh, shortly after, and Arsenal has fallen apart, apart a bit. Not that unlike them, usually. They could uh, could get some goals against them. Uh, but when uh, Barton scored a penalty, I was up on my feet, and then Teote hammered along, uh, hammered in the four-four game or uh, goal, which he uh, which he usually <laughs> would never have scored. So uh, now that was probably my my most favorite game, and it just uh, shows Newcastle at its pinnacle with the highs and lows and, and things like that. Uh, a bittersweet feeling. I was in Newcastle for this one, uh, my first ever trip to St. James Park. I brought my oldest son, who was then around eight years old. Um, it was just me and him in Newcastle, and weather and all that was brilliant. Uh, we went to the stadium on match day, and we were playing Sunderland. And Di Canio was in charge for Sunderland then, and he, he really made such a meal of it. Newcastle were so, so poor. We got ran off the pitch and beaten 3-0. <laughs> but uh, because I was there with my son we actually also got uh, a picture with Media Bead at Pizza Hut at the time it's uh, it's the worst game I've uh, myself has witnessed and, and given that it was my first game actually being at St. James Park it's, it's a bittersweet feeling now it's John Lane Probably Palace away, actually. Um, we won 3-0. Um, it was really loud. It was just before Christmas. Um, I took my dad. Um, for the, it was the first time he'd gone to a Newcastle away game. Um, and um, we'd gone down, we'd seen family down that end and um, just everything about the, the weekend and, and that day in particular and how how loud the end was. The Debushis were just like, you know, off the Richter scale all the way through. Um yeah, great memories. The worst game, uh, probably a week after that Palace game, um, and we played West Brom on New Year's Day, um, and it was awful. So drove down. It was absolutely caning it down with rain. Um, just horrible, horrible weather. Um, couldn't get into a pub anywhere because it was too busy. Um, got to the ground, played terribly, lost 1-0. Debussy got sent off. Um, long drive home. Yeah, not great. Next is Jeffrey Lindahl. 
Oh, the favorite game is when Newcastle play against Arsenal. When Sheikh Teode scored an amazing volley that makes 4-4. It was a crazy game. <laughs> but it was wonderful to see. But sad for Teode, he was not around anymore. So we almost win the game too. But that was the most best comeback I ever seen. The worst one I have ever seen is when we play against Brighton this season. Losing with 3 0 is feeling heartbreaking and see oh, do they wake up or not? Because when they play against West Ham they oh they have a good game now. But then they're losing 3 0. Uh, and then on the cup when you play against the Newport, that was a horrible game. With it, what they don't want to win or what? So for me, as a support, it's always the course goes up and down. And here is Mark Corby. Favorite game? I'm I'm gonna go against the green because I think a lot of people would automatically go for the Boston one victory. Um, obviously, it's an absolute honor and a joy to speak to uh, Keith Gillespie. Uh, who, who was a massive part in that game. Um, he's a legend on Newcastle, of course. Um, but my favourite would probably be a toss-up between um, Portsmouth at home or Leicester away, which were the final two games of the 1991-92 season. Um, for those that uh, weren't around then or didn't support Newcastle um, in their tender ages, basically we were on the brink of uh, relegation to, to Division 3 for the first time in history. If we were going to go into Division 3, there was a very, very good chance that we would, um, you know, we might cease to exist under the current format. Um, it was sort of a bit massive call to arms. Um, it wasn't in an official way, you know, not like like now with social media. It was just a case of the, the supporters and the team uh, just all got together. And, um, you know, the last three or four games, the support was just incredible for the team. But the fact that we beat Portsmouth with a, um, a late goal by my all-time favourite, uh, David Kelly, um, the roof, the roof. Well, Newcastle's ground at the time when you had two roofs, but both of them nearly came off. And then a week later, I went to um, Leicester, and um, that that game had absolutely everything. You know, um, a last-minute equaliser from Leicester, which at the time we didn't know we could have been relegated. Um, and then we scored a, an injury time winner, an own goal, and the game got abandoned due to due to uh, Leicester supporters rioting on the pitch because we we stopped them getting promoted. Um, so I would probably lean towards a toss of a coin between Portsmouth and Leicester. And um, the beauty, beauty about that is that from that moment on, Newcastle United really kicked on. And the following five years were, were just an absolute joy. The worst one. Well, we've got plenty to choose from. But I think the most devastated I've been was at the Stadium of Light in, it would have been 2008, I think, on Joe Kinnear. Um, we've got B2-1. Um, Roy Keane was their manager and it was the first time I had been in either Roker Park or the Stadium of Light and Sunderland had beat us. So to stand there, locked in the away end, um, watching the Sunderland fans deliberately stop back and celebrate and then celebrate and then celebrate even more, that was really, really hard to take. Um, I suppose in a sense... You know, they went on and on about six in a row, but that, that 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 felt like nothing compared to the first time I watched us get beat on their patch. That was that was pretty tough to do. 
Jonathan Drape Common. Favourite game would probably be Aston Villa um, away when we got relegated. Um, probably uh, the day itself um, was was not a good day. I was only, what, 13, 14. But in hindsight, when I think back, it was a boiling hot day. Um, the fans were amazing. And, and those 5, 10, 15 minutes afterwards were, um, you know, you look back and you think, oh, I've never really been prouder to be a Newcastle fan in those um, in that 15 to 20 minutes after the game. Uh, well, there's a lot. There, there is a lot, and I could name a lot for lots of different reasons. Um, but I'm not gonna. I'm gonna stay away from going on a, a Mike Ashley rant. Um, and I'll say Bordeaux away uh, in that year when we played in the Europa League, only for the simple reason that we we travelled for two days on the train to get to Bordeaux. It was absolutely freezing. It was so cold. I had to buy a Bordeaux jumper in the club shop. And then Alan Pardew went and put the reserves out and we were 2-0 down after, what, 30 minutes. And it's the only game I've ever looked at my mates and gone, shall we go and have a pint with about 30 minutes to go? Alex Nicholson. So uh, there's a couple that stick in my mind, actually. Um, Two from the last couple of seasons and one a little bit further back. So this might be a bit of a surprising one, but... So it was the game that we beat Man United 3-0, which I know isn't isn't a surprising kind of uh, good memory. It's the, you know, the game where Denver Bar scored. We had that that free kick from Kabai and then a bit of the icing on the cake at the end with the Jones own goal. But what I loved about it is that, you know, it was the kind of the Shola and Denver Bar up top. And, you know, whilst I'd love to see Newcastle passing it around like the Ajax of old, it was like the long balls up top that caused absolute chaos. And, and I loved every minute of it. Another one that sticks in the mind a little bit was the game where we beat Chelsea and we got those goal, two goals from from Cisse. Now that's not just because of the sheer class and a bit of the disbelief of the second goal, but that I got to watch it with a Chelsea fan as well was was particularly enjoyable. And then I think the one that I'll definitely always remember is the game against Palermo. So you've got kind of Tim Krul, his you know his, his first game, flinging himself around, stopping stopping anything, everything coming his way, and then. You have the goal from Luke on top of that, just to just to really top it off as well. Um, probably more to choose from than the the first question, but so thankfully for me, I guess I wasn't around for the kind of the the Aussie uh, or um, era, so so I don't have any of those examples to draw on. But and unfortunately, I think the two that really stick on my mind are actually during the um, Alan Shearer management era, which is which is a shame to say, but it was the. The game that Joey Barton got sent off against Liverpool, um, that particular kind of like one-off moment, um, but also the the game against Villa, so the, the Damien Duffone goal one. And it was just that whole game, really. I mean, you could just feel the nervousness around the crowd. You could just feel the nerv- nervousness just in the players themselves. You know, that that whole game, I don't, I don't think really created much of a chance beyond, I think, one um, kind of slice shot from Stephen Taylor. And then just seeing Damien Duff at left back, um, yeah, just just all, all in all was just uh, just a horrible day. So some great games there, some not so great memories as Newcastle fans. But thanks to everybody for for sharing that information. Next, we're going to move on to the more serious stuff. I I asked all of the candidates about why they were standing, and uh, we're going to take it away uh, with Mark Corby. In all honesty, over the last. Year, 18 months or so, I've been toying with the idea of giving up on Newcastle United. Um, I, I think I've just become so disillusioned with the way my Ashley's ran the club. Um, right, you know, going back right at the very start when um, the way he tried Kevin Keegan, the way he tried Chris Hooten, Alan Shearer, etc., etc. 
Uh, it just comes with it. I think everyone's got a tipping point. Um, and I suppose to turn it back around, I think I've, I want to stand for election for a number of reasons, but the, the main one is because I really want to feel like I'm doing something to protect not only myself, but a lot of my friends and family and uh, other people I've met over the years who have simply just walked away from the club. And I think by standing for election, I'd like to think I can take the, the trust into a different dimension. And what I mean by that is, is using me, me networking and people who are no haven't signed up for the trust yet for one reason or another. They've just become so disillusioned with the club and perhaps with no disrespect to anyone on the board at the moment, they just might not have that trust aspect. They might not know, you know, exactly what the what the, the motivation is, the remit, you know, there's, there's people questioning all sorts. And I, I want to try and, um, you know, harmonise a bit of our support who, who have sort of not really bought into the trust. Um, I'd, I'd like to think, without blowing smoke up my backside, that I'm a, I'm a popular enough person to try and galvanise it in a way that um, Alex, the chair, um, if the trust did, especially, you know, 18 months or so ago when uh, increasing the numbers literally overnight. It was an absolutely fantastic achievement. And I, th I think I think part of my generation, you know, as I say, 40-plus generation, I suppose I've got that much experience in regards to knowing how a lot of um, supporters think, um, how, they, how they operate, um, and, and also communication as well. Um, so social media is absolutely massive with communication, and I think we can all play play a part in you know raising the profile of the trust. Um, but I, I think over overall, it's just trying to galvanise it in a way that hasn't been done yet. You know, there's things that I've already been thinking of um, in regards to when we're allowed back back to do it again is push you know social events as in talkings and quizzes. You know, trying to get um, some old players involved. Um, you know, get get members and non-member views. You know, come come to the meetings and you know, with the hope of getting them, you know, signed up. Um, you know, but but I suppose I suppose in a sense, you know, I think there's a lot lot of um, distance between the supporters and the football club, and it, it's sad. It's very very sad, and I feel like for as much as um, for as much as the the trust has done absolutely fantastically well, we're still a little bit short. In getting that, you know, that that slick communication with the club, in regards to knowing fine well that if you've got a question, you're representing supporters, that you're going to get you're going to get an answer back. And I, f I feel the trust frustration. I think uh, new blood is a, a fantastic idea, and um, I, su I suppose, you know, look, looking forward, I think I just like to th like to think I can bring some new ideas, you know, some innovation. Um, but more importantly, be totally, totally transparent and, and try and link that fan base where at times you just feel it's just a little bit lost. Daniel Olsen. Well, I have faith in what the trust does and, and how they act. Uh, I personally wanted to grow even bigger. I want us as Newcastle fans to throw our weight around a bit and in unison under the trust's banner have uh, influence in what happens with our club um, and I really more or less just want to help the trust continue in that direction uh, it's not as much 
what I maybe can add, but more about ensuring that we still do things in a proper manner. And sure, we'll we'll disagree about things, uh, but uh, ultimately we'll we have to act in the best uh, interest uh, of our fans and and members. Uh, and I believe the things I stand for and and my views will ensure that that happens. Over to Jeffrey Lindahl. For me, when I joined the trust first in September, then I was shaking around a little bit and reading because I was reading a lot of on social media too. And then I see this opportunity to be involved in NAST. I said, why not? Why not try some positive things to join the NAST and for the supporters of Newcastle United? I'm thinking we have a, many supporters around the world, including in, in the international. Then I'm thinking, oh, what can we do better for the NAST and for the supporters to join the trust to be more stronger? Is like invite more international supporters to join the trust. Jonathan Drape, common. Uh, I, I just think it's a, it's about time and that lots more people, um, including myself, started to walk the walk rather than talk the talk. I think. Um, the club have, have talked the talk for far too long and and I've been a fan like many fan who's been very critical of the club and, and just about everything related to Newcastle United and um it, it does get to a point where you can write all of the all of the articles you want or you can tweet all all you want all day complaining about this and that but there comes a point where if you have the opportunity to do something and to make a positive change and you have that chance to do it then then I think you should do it and and that's why I'm putting myself forward. Alex Nicholson. So, as I put in my manifesto, the the last thirteen years has brought brought apathy around the club, and I think it's fair to say that the loyalty and, and passion of the fans has, has never been in question. But it sometimes, and this is this is my personal view, it sometimes feels hard to to feel that same spark when at the very top of the club you can just feel that that lack of professionalism, that lack of transparency, that lack of accountability. Now, as fans, we don't need a huge amount, but we need to feel like we have the structure of a legitimate Premier League club that wants to go forward, that wants to improve. And you need to have that professional setup to to ensure that it runs smoothly. And you need to see there's that desire to, to move forward. Whereas I think in our experiences, you know, you see a club that at the very top is, is looking to move sideways and, and often ends up moving backwards. Now, in particular, I think a strong and united supporters trust is is what can really play a major role in, in bringing the spark back to back to the fans. And now, over the past couple of months, I've been I've been lucky to learn more about what the trust does. So I watched the the town hall meeting, and not only did that really demonstrate the passion that fans had in engaging the trust, but it also showed just how important a supporters trust is in representing the views of the fans, the pushing the club and the Premier League to be to be more open, to be more honest with fans. Now, seeing that. I wanted to get a bit more involved myself and go beyond engaging in issues on Newcastle through posting on, on different online forums, which which I won't name, and perhaps more often than I should. I just felt like, you know, I had a few ideas that could help further the ambitions of the trust. So what I wanted to do is set those out for members and see if that really is what resonates with fans of the club. Now, 
I'm keen that any decision that affects Newcastle United or the supporters involves the supporters' trust. Now, I know there's great work being done already, but I also think that we can build on that momentum even more. To do that, I think we need to harness our strong and active fan base and unite it through an open and transparent and ambitious trust. Now, I think as I captured in my manifesto, and I won't go through it too much too much more now, I don't want to bore people more than once, but there was two points that I thought were really keen on that, and that was engagement and, and representation. So I think the big thing for me to flag at the start of that is look, the trust needs to to represent the views of all Newcastle fans. Whether you're a season ticket holder or or someone who gets up in the middle of the night to see us, you know, pump it to, to long, you pump it up long to, to Andy all, all day, and but we can't just expect fans to to join the trust. You know, we need to be proactive in achieving this. And so what I've you know I thought would would work well is to see the board actually kind of utilize social media even more to bring in as many of those different voices as possible. So more practically, this would see in my mind. There were existing trust members in different parts of the country and overseas being the real drivers of this. So the trust would give them all the information they need, kind of tweet templates that that set out the vision, what the trust is trying to achieve, you know, specific events that are coming up where we want feedback, where we want to kind of understand fan views. You know, it would set out what the vision of this trust is and what we're trying to achieve. And the aim of that really would be just to, to build those membership levels even further and just increasingly i guess increasingly cement that strong and representative fan base that we have around the club now we can't take that for granted we know the supporters have a huge passion but where i think you know we can take that engagement even further is actually to make sure that every fan feels represented through the work of the trust and what they're trying to achieve so as i said out briefly at the start i really enjoyed watching the recent online town hall meeting and as I said, that that really demonstrates the passion that supporters have for the club. And I thought that actually there's some opportunities to take that even even further. So actually, can you do more more regular and even more structured events? So, for example, you know you, you might look at doing this initially online, but can you do panel discussions? Can you do informal conversations? And can you actually agree concrete outcomes? And actually ensure that members of the trust, you know, have that opportunity to put forward questions to frame power discussions, you know, agendas for sessions and to, and to host kind of their own separate kind of standalone mini workshops. And the idea of this would be to satisfy three different aims. So ensuring that all voices are heard, ensuring that we get all you know, these different views behind the decisions we make and then further unite the supporters around a vision of the trust that they can all buy into and what we want it to achieve. And I think if you have that, and if you if you see the trust kind of build that representative fan base, you know, it will further enable it to, to engage even more with, you know, the local MPs, the city officials, other trusts, you know, anyone kind of connected to making decisions in the club. And I think even though there's great work already happening on this, you know, an even bigger and more representative fan base would give us kind of even more of a platform to do it. And there's, you know, I put it in the manifesto, but through that, I mean, there's there's some really good outcomes I think we can achieve. So, you know, can you cement relationships with with the local officials when, so if there's a need for co- coordinated efforts, so on ticket refunds and so forth, then you have the networks in place to to ensure that any effort to respond to it is strong, but it's, but it's united, so, you know, that we're putting pressure in the right places 
And can you work with other trusts to see, well, you know, where can we share experiences so that when there are situations where we need to unite together, you know, for example, on, on TV scheduling or, or ticket prices, you know, that, that we have that ready and raring to go. And I think through that, you know, you can make sure that the trust is, presents a, a strong united voice that can, that can hold the club accountable by working with others to challenge it, but also help to generate new thinking so that, you know, when there is new ownership, we have the ideas to help it grow, to help it move. And if there isn't, then we become so strong but united that it's impossible to not hear what we're saying. So that's a couple of the the ideas that that I was thinking about on my side, and just really wanted to to share them and just to see if that is really where where other fans are, are thinking, to see if that is what resonates with people, and just to get a bit of feedback on it and to understand, you know, are these ideas that could be embedded for for the betterment of of the trust and for the fans it represents. Next up, it's Linda Bush. Uh, I mean, sitting sitting on the board's been a real positive outlet for me. It's 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 made me feel um, that I could engage with the club again, which is quite ironic because they, they don't often um, communicate with us. But just having an outlet for all that passion um, in my statement, I've 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 got like a headline of passion, community, inclusion, connection, and pride. Um, and I think that some of those things just aren't there when you're a Newcastle United supporter. But being part of the board itself has given me a bit of an outlet for some of my passion and, and some of the anger that I have sometimes and the feeling of um, I'm at the mercy of, of the club and the owner and how the clubs run. Um, and it just it's very frustrating because I just, as I've said in my statement, I really feel that um, football should belong to communities. There's a real history with football and I just feel that um, it's it's slipped away and that's why it's more important than ever that we have a strong United fan base. And I know there's lots of different fans groups, but I could see some of the ideas that you had, Alex, uh, that around supporter engagement, supporter ownership and a well-organised, democratically voted in board would would go a long way to try and hold the club to account and it was tricky at times you know um, uh, when we started off as a board it was uh, you know we didn't have any many members we didn't really have much money we didn't really have much influence Um, and I think if you think that was a, a sort of our starting point then who thought two years on we'd be having the sort of 100 odd MPs right into the Premier League representing Newcastle fans and and all football supporters to give a voice to the supporters who feel that they have no voice and that's why I think um, I've, I've stood for election it's a huge commitment it takes a lot of your time but I just feel that I feel that the the distance the the board has traveled uh, under the sort of two years that you've or maybe less than two years that you've been chair and that we've had an established board we just get stronger and stronger and I just feel that uh, you know that's really important that that work continues. Now it's Thomas Concannon who talks about his time on the board and why he wants to continue that with this election and then he also talks a little bit about his time uh, with War Flags and the Football Supporters Association. Yeah, so the, my my experience on the on the trust board has been incredible. Um, it, it takes up a lot more time than what I first anticipated. I'm I'm sure you know that as well. It's um, it, it's become a huge part of my life. I'm I'm really really passionate about it now. Um, we've we've achieved a lot in that time. We've we've come. We, we're now one of the biggest supporter organisations in the country. Um, 
you know, which is a far cry from from when I first joined the board. Um, and I've just been, you know, we, we've achieved an incredible amount with with obviously meetings with the Premier League. Um, you know, having potential owners of football clubs contacting the the the, the trust. Um, you know, building a building a, a trust council, um, challenging on Strawberry Place. You know, all things that that myself and the board have been involved in. Um, we've just we we've been involved in a hell of a lot more than what I thought we would have been. Um, and I can't wait to just to to get going forward. Or I hope to come to continue going forward, um, achieving a hell of a lot more. Yeah. So I am. Um, most famously drove a van to Poland to pick up a record surfer flag for uh, that we displayed against Liverpool in May 2019. Um that was that was an incredible experience driving all that way for a flag, but it was it was an unbelievable experience and it I think it just highlights my devotion to the football club in terms of you know doing that, doing getting involved in those sort of things as well as going to pretty much every game. Um yeah, I, I really am devoted to this football club and I'm willing to go to extreme lengths to 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 contribute um, in terms of the work that I've done with the Football Supporters Association, um, so it's been I've been working with them for the last six years on a on a fans embassy project that provides a support service to England fans for international fixtures, um, and with that I've been able to use that relationship that I've got with the with the Football Supporters Association and being able to to bring that to the to the board of the trust, and and you know grow our. Um, you know, contribu- contributions with the the, the FSA um, and get us involved in some, you know, pretty high profile meetings, as has been proved in the last in the last few months. You know, one with Bill Bush with regards to the ticket refunds, um, where we were able to ask him to lobby the club on our behalf, which we saw some results within within twenty four hours or so, which was which was amazing. Um, and then the the Richard Masters meeting, obviously, with regards to the takeover, where we were where I was able to. Put forward the the disappointment of the majority of our members um, to the Premier League, and and you know, let them know that we were incredibly disappointed by the the lack of transparency about the entire situation. Next up, with why standing for election, it's Steve Harrop. Well, very recently we had the sort of town hall Zoom event, and and, and it made a huge impression on me. To be honest, uh, I was lucky enough; I had about two minutes. And I received a load of positive comments afterwards, including a response from Chai, uh, the local Newcastle MP, and a couple of the well-known journalists. Uh, yes, I showed my passion. Yes, I wore my grey Newcastle shirt from 1980s. Uh, you know, but we've got an amazing group of well-informed fans, and they're really worthy. Uh, and uh, you know, they're positively passionate, like me, about the club. And add to that, you know, the work of the current board has been amazing. It's immensely impressive. Uh, and I've worked my way up from over 36 years from a van driver to an MD and a CEO of organisations, you know, and some of these have been corporate organisations. So that's the motivation for me to get involved with the fans, to use the experience I've got, the knowledge and my passion for the team and my work skills, you know, and, and, and like any two in army attendance, it's, it's, it's about having an approach that, in my opinion, is consensual to the issues because you guys have been doing a good job. Uh, and I think we need to maintain that. We really do. Are you still there? Oh, sorry, my screen's just gone gone a bit of blur. So hopefully you can cut this bit out. You know, but 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 it it, it is. I mean, I I look at some of the projects you do in the food bank, the links and liaisons, the FSA, the 
the Premier League, I was impressed with the fact that you had dialogue with the Premier League and they, and they talked to you about it. I don't believe in, um, and I'll, this is going on to another point, I don't believe in revolution for revolution's sake. I believe in evolution. And you've come a long way in a short period of time, you know, from less than 3,000 to, to 13,000 plus members. Uh, I want to be part of that. I want to get excited about working with the fans for and behalf of the fans as well as I am excited about going to the match on a Saturday or a, or a midweek Tuesday down in Plymouth. You know, that's that's what's impressed me. The fan base itself. They're an amazing bunch of supporters. Next up, it's John Lane. You know, my main inspiration for um, standing for elections, my, my two kids. Um, I've seen my two nephews grow up um, in a world without um, without ambition. As, as part of Newcastle United, and it absolutely breaks my heart, to be quite honest with you. Um, my nephew coming up to us and saying, Uncle John, we're 15th. And, and I just, you know, I wanted to cry inside. I just couldn't believe he was that excited about, about something which is so... You know, it's just about existence. Um, and I don't want my kids to grow up with that view of Newcastle. I want my kids growing up want to wear a Newcastle shirt, not because I do, but because they want to do it, because they're inspired by the club, because it's part of the community and it's ambitious. Um, and I just want to be part of anything that can help the club become ambitious. And I think the trust really kind of holds the club to account as the best way of doing that. Um, and, and I want to be part of a, a trust that challenges the club to listen to criticism to uh, to act on it um to be open to it and, and ultimately push them to want to be more ambitious here's adam beckett first and foremost i want to make sure that our fan base um is represented sort of from all corners of the planet um so i know we've obviously got fantastic local representation on the board some national representation as well but i, I want to make sure that the board has sort of a more international feel just just purely because Newcastle United is a, is a global team has has thousands of fans tens of thousands of fans you know all over the world and I, I want to make sure that that's represented I, I also believe you know very very strongly in the, the trust acting as sort of a conduit or a, or a liaison um, with the club when it represents fans so I, I really want fans to feel like the trust is a place they can go to get connected to the club, um, whether it's getting in touch with the club or whether it's building a bridge towards the club. You know, I have firsthand experience, unfortunately, of, of trying to travel to Newcastle and just feeling like the club didn't care uh, that there were fans coming from all over the world or, or just even from, from all over the UK. So that's another big thing. I want to make sure that, that we're, you know, we're engaging the club um, at a trust level that sort of feels like all fans, regardless of where they're from, um, can be involved in that. And then the third reason I really want to run to be part of the trust is, is quite frankly, just to sort of put my passion um, to its best use. Uh, and I think that's something that all fans can relate to, again, whether they're local or international. We, we've all got a great deal of passion for this club. Um, it, for me in particular, I've got a great deal of passion for our fan base um, as a community. Um, and I want to make sure that I'm putting my energy and, and my passion to, to best use. And I, I really do believe that the trust is a great way for me to express that passion and sort of put my energy into action um, to help fans everywhere um, feel more connected to the club. Finally, for this section on why the candidates 
have stood for election, it is Charlotte Robson. I decided to put myself forward for election to the board because I love this fan base. And you'll probably hear me or see me say that across my social media over the next week or so. But um, I feel so welcomed by this mental group of people who support this ridiculous soap opera club. And, you know, I've said it before, but I started going to away games really when I when I joined True Faith and I was quite nervous about that this is a very you know the away fans are a very hardcore bunch and I'm a girl and I'd not been before and all of that stuff and I've just always felt so welcome and so comfortable around my fellow um, people even if my accent isn't as strong as everybody else's um I just feel so happy and comfortable and I want to I would love to give back and help represent that incredible fan base at at board level at the trust which just has gone from strength to strength in the last um, few years Um, I think it's on about 14,000 members now I'd love to watch that grow and be a part of that growing and um, and I'd also like to to help push push the fans' agenda um, with the club, and 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 I think I and I think I can. I think I'd be good at that. So that's why I put myself forward. Some great reasons there from everybody. In fact, all great reasons. And as uh, as the sitting chair of the board, uh, I would welcome them all with open arms onto the the trust. You have to pick five. Uh, you'll have five votes. And to finish off uh, this podcast, or to present to you the final uh, round of answers to questions I asked all of the candidates it is if you or if the candidates were elected uh, successfully elected and served their full three-year board term on the trust board what would they want the trust to look like at the end of their term uh, and why where do I want to see it in three years but also what do I want to see happen over the next three years to get there so I set out a bit around why I want to to broaden membership so that we can really take advantage of the vast array of Newcastle fans that are around the world that have different views, that have different interests and ideas. But I want to see that we really have that concrete engagement that ensures we're bringing these voices into the decision-making process so that everyone feels like their views are represented and their ideas are guiding our future work. So over the next three years, and, and sooner than that, if possible, you know, I want to see us have a relationship with any stakeholder that makes any decision that affects Newcastle United or the supporters, because they will know that they need to involve the trust in these conversations and, and ultimately decisions, because we will bring the well-thought-out ideas backed by a strong, passionate and engaged supporters network. So that's what I want to see happen over the next three years. And by the end of that three-year period, that to just be so established that we can never imagine it not being like that. I want us to see. I want to see the trust build a relationship with any stakeholder that makes decisions that affect Newcastle United or supporters, because they know that we represent a broad array of different views, different voices, but that we're strong and united, and that we will come to these conversations with the right type of ideas that can really generate positive change and to move the club and everything that's linked to the club forward in a direction that's for the betterment of the fans, first of all. Jonathan Drape-Common. 
Yeah, um, I think that the three main areas where I think um, I would like to, to cover is um, number one that that for me personally, I think all positive change at Newcastle United comes back to a change of ownership. I don't truly believe that the club can move forward in any meaningful way as long as Mike Ashley is the owner. Um, and and with that, I, I encourage everybody to do all they can to continue to, to put pressure on Mike Ashley. Um, that can be done for, for me in, in three ways. Um, the first is is to encourage fans to continue to voice their their discontent, um, to to encourage protest, whether that be inside the ground, outside the ground, on social media. Um, to do that by working with local council, by working with government, uh, the work that's been done so far with Chion Wura has been has been brilliant, and and it's got the trust onto a national stage, which I think is fantastic, and and they've got themselves in a position now that I hope I can contribute to to taking that next step of of number one, we've got a seat at the table, and, and now let's let's have some more positive action, um, and the third part of that comes with well, two more actually, um, working with journalists. I think the media is, is is the best way to go, and, and and I think in this day and age with digital media, um, working closer with journalists like yourself, like with the Chronicle, um, in order to put the fans' agendas on the table, because ultimately, it's my opinion that it's the fans' agendas that that should drive everything, and, and that should be our job. Um, and and quickly following on from that, I think something that's really important that. We don't see a lot of at Newcastle um, compared to the Premier League and, and actually we don't see a lot of compared to countries like Germany and Holland um, is we don't really have a proper supporters liaison officer. I think it's really important that we do have one. We may have one in name put forward by the club, but but we need to be doing more um, as a trust to to put one forward ourselves, you know, um, gra- grab the game by the scruff of the neck and uh, and put forward our own who's going to do a proper job. Yeah, I think um, as I said, the trust have done a brilliant job in the past few years of um, of getting their name out there even more, of growing the trust in terms of members, and, and, and most importantly, starting to get a seat at the table now um, in government with national media, starting to be uh, recognised um, not only as a, as a trust for Newcastle fans, but but as as a very good representation of of what it can look like for all football clubs across the country, and and I think in three years' time, if if we can start to um, move from having a seat at the table to, to really starting to affect policy, to to have a, a good impact for football fans, not just for Newcastle fans as well, but on a national stage to to come up with policies that can that can be enacted in real life. You know, um, football uh, kickoff times for away fans, prices of football tickets, safe standing at the moment, getting fans back into stadiums in, in, a, in a safe way, of course. Um, and if we can start pushing policy at the highest level uh, of both government and at our own football club, then that would be a great success. Next is Jeffrey Lindahl. Uh, first, is I know it's going to take a little bit of time to get the trust from the other members because actually you have 11 good candidates. But in three years, I can thinking, why I put NAST in, for example, into, uh, into next years. Maybe for help, hopefully, we have around 20,000 members. But if I think in three years ahead, and if Newcastle United have a bright future, if we have a new owner, 
that will definitely change everything. Because I've then been thinking that more supporters will join the trust. Uh, I hope that new NUST members will give me opportunity to be a part of a great development of the NUST and for the supporters. So I really hope that they can count on the votes from the NUST members to upcoming election on NUST. Because we have to remember we have to stand united as one. John Lane. Thanks for my involvement in three years' time. Um, I certainly want to see, um, I think the way that will measure success with the trust first has to be what's the membership numbers like. Um, I've already said that in, in 12 months' time, I'd like to see the membership at 20,000. Um, you know, so if we can get, you know, if we can get to mid, you know, 25,000 by the end of my three year term, I'd view that as a big success about getting the engagement. I think the other thing is really us being that vehicle for the full fan base and, 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 and you know we've got to listen to our members and what our members want and that's and that's ultimately what we're there to do um but it's about stopping the kind of the, the, the fractured kind of approach where there's there's almost division um constantly about any issue and when on those big issues um it's i think it's you know we need to make sure that we're the number one choice and that we're trusted to do that um, across across the fan base, not just on behalf of the members, but on, on behalf of the fans too. Um, and I think the other thing for me is is just, you know, although there is already some, you know, more engagement in kind of the, the community and, um, you know, let's see if we can get out and um, spend some time with our members, get some ideas from them, maybe have some fundraisers, um, you know, make some money for the food bank in the process, you know, I think really kind of get amongst the community and become almost like a, a community trust, uh, you know, as well as a supporters trust. Now it's Steve Harrop. I think after that period of time, um, I'd like to feel that I could, as you say, bring these skills to bear. So my, my, my big strength, apart from running businesses, has been marketing, particularly digital marketing. And I tend to do that more on a consultancy basis now for a number of people. Pulling it together into one clear strategy and having all parts of the, the an organisation looking in the same direction. Uh, and I think, you know, we've got such a big and disparate fan base. It's huge. Uh, you've got a big membership, 13,000 plus. It'd be nice to think in three years' time that's grown. But it would also be nice to think that that would cover a couple of things. And, I, and there, are, there are three things I, I think I would like to add to this. I think I'd like to look at the, as, a, as a project, if you like. Match the experience. You know, looking outside of the box, and by that I mean, you know, it's a very much a, an intended pun, the hospitality box. I think overall match day experience has declined under Ashley for the fans. I think there's a lot of people who, you know, within the club who do a great job, but it's clear that there's a lack of investment in what I think is the key asset, the fans. And I think we need to do something about that. And as an organisation that's linked to the club and ties, and, and our job is to communicate with fans and club and act as an intermediary, I think we should work really hard to try and improve that match day experience. It's great outside the ground because it's up to us ourselves. But when you get inside the ground itself, uh, there are some things that, that leave a bit to be desired. So I'd like to do that. I think travel, the away day matches. Obviously, as I said earlier, I've got 350-odd uh, loyalty points. 
that counts for something. A lot of experiences there. But Monday night matches away from home at Southampton or 12.30 kickoffs at Brighton in the FA Cup, you know, we need to be trying to work very closely with the club to say, we know there's a revenue stream for you here. But the reality is, is these guys that are, and girls and, and boys that are going down to the matches, it's very, very difficult. You've got to put a lot of effort into getting there, but even worse, getting back. So I think I'd like to be passionately involved in lobbying against the number of, 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 of games of that ilk. Uh, and also working with the transport organisations to try and get better deals for the fans. Uh, as I say, I live in North London. I don't miss games. But it's a, three, you know, it's a 600 round mile trip for me in the car. It's a very expensive uh, train journey there and back because they put the prices up on match days. So let's, you know, let's look at ways in which we can help. And then finally, linked to the, the, the skill set I said I had about marketing and messaging and communication. That's my background. So, so pulling together this, this disparate group, but using all of the tools that are available, you know, in a kind of a, uh, a strategy. The board's only five people, but it's a broad church that we got there. So, so it's not to be a close shop. It's to actually communicate what, what we can do for and on behalf of you, but also listen. Uh, because in the messaging, you know, one size doesn't fit all. And, and we've got different groups of people, you know, all over the world, not just in, in, in Newcastle, not just in, in the UK, in Europe. You know, we've got some fan bases everywhere. I mean, there are two Facebook groups. One's got 43,000, the other's 32,000. That's a lot of people um, who are massively interested in what's happening. We have people doing podcasts, blogs, fanzines. So you yourself are involved with that. You know, and so it's an organisation. It'd be nice to see if we could develop in three years' time a really coherent communication strategy that we could develop some policies on top of the existing projects that you're working on and have these close ties and then really work hard for when the fans go to a match for their entertainment and their enjoyment that, that we as an organisation have played a part in making that a better experience for them. That's that's how I feel anyway. It's Adam Beckett. First and foremost, um, absolutely, I want the trust to continue to grow. Uh, we've had tremendous growth, obviously, in, in the last two years, close to 14,000 members now. I'd, I'd like to see that doubled um, in the three years that I would be on the board um, if successful. And I think also, you know, more representative, right? So again, as we continue to grow as a board, uh, sorry, as a trust, we're going to need more people being involved in more ways. So certainly the councils that are being set up now, certain, you know, subcommittees would be extremely helpful. Um, and I, I just want the, the trust to continue to grow and, and continue to expand its scale um, and, and to help as many fans as possible. And then Sort of secondly, I suppose I, I hope that we are in more engaged and more actively collaborating with the club. I, I realize that current circumstances with the club make it very, very difficult for us to work on our engagement and, and work on our involvement at a club level. But, you know, who knows what the future will bring in terms of the leadership at Newcastle United. But I want to make sure that the trust is sort of actively collaborating with the club to make sure that the fan experience is the best it can be for all of us, um, regardless of whether you're a local season ticket holder or whether you're a brand new fan, whether you're a junior magpie or whether you're a, you know, an international fan or, or someone that just simply needs help uh, with a disability around the stadium or, or again, in collaboration with, with the club, making the experience the best it can be. So those are the two big things for me, um, again, making the trust as big and as representative as it can to amplify our voice with as much strength as possible. I think in reality, 
We all know as fans that the club needs to be rebuilt on so many different levels. And I just really believe that the trust can play a massive part in that. And I want to make sure that I'm involved sort of the best way that I can be. Sure. I mean, again, I go back to the passion and the commitment um, that I not only have to the club, but I I have to the fans. You know, I I really do care, particularly about the fan experience um, that we all have, right? We all have different levels of passion. We all have different levels of sort of commitment and ability to be there and support the club. Um, But ultimately, we are all fans and we are all um, in this together, we've been through the best and we've been through the worst, but we are extremely strong uh, when we are united. And I just really believe that I can help represent that to uh, to the club and, and through the trust. Now it's Linda Bush. Really like the board uh, in the, in three years, if I was voted in, um, the board and, and the whole of Newcastle United Supporters Trust to have um, restored and played a part in restoring some um, reconnection between the whole fan base and uh, the local community and the wider community and the club. I just feel that supporters are overlooked. Supporters have very little voice. And that's that just seems to be always the worst position if you're a supporter of Newcastle United Football Club. Um, we're always, it just feels like we're always the last to communicate with fans. It always feels that we're the last to give refunds on tickets. We're the last to speak out to people and we just seem to take our fan base for granted. And I don't believe that, that everything is bad about the running of the club. I think there's some really good aspects of Newcastle United Football Club. Um, but I feel we have to almost organise and bring the fan base together to hold the club to account. And, and over things that we can hold the club to account, not necessarily who's going to be the next owner, but things like the day-to-day running of the club, um, fixtures, you know, when, when fixtures are set, travel, uh, things that f- affect everyday fans. And I just feel that Newcastle United Football Club uh, will carry on just doing as they please in the manner they do as they please because they don't necessarily respond well to everything that's asked of them, but they don't get held to account. And I feel that a strong Newcastle United Supporters Trust will hold them to account. And then we'll see, hopefully, uh, the outcome I would see in three years' time would be a, a bigger trust, um, a successful, a more successful men's team, a more successful women's team, a more successful grassroots link to the community so young children boys and girls can look up at St James's Park and dream of playing there one day Um, instead of the situation at the minute is when I pick my daughter up from school that all the kids the glory seeking kids are wearing Man City shirts Liverpool shirts Um, and it just you know I just feel that there's very little opportunity um, for fans to take any control, whereas Newcastle United Supporters Trust have proven that we have got some influence. And I think a strong trust will see more likely that the this, the fan base will feel included rather than at the mercy of whoever owns the club. Next, it's Daniel Olsen. At the moment, despite uh, being one of the largest uh, trusts in the country, if not the largest um, I still feel that there's uh, room for improvement when it comes to involving uh, members and, and the fan base uh, even more. Um, I think people need to feel connected uh, to the trust to continue its growth. Um, there needs to be a sense of ownership uh, from from trust members and fans alike. Uh, 
So at the end of my term, I want the supporters to be more connected uh, to each other and the trust. Uh, I want them to understand that we're stronger collectively under one banner rather than many different ones doing different things like we've seen sometimes uh, in the past despite uh, good intentions. Uh, and there's also maybe various age groups that needs to take be taken more into the consideration. Uh, and then it's about, I guess, how we get that message across. Uh, so things like that. Uh, so ultimately, I want the trust to involve its members and somehow make them feel a certain ownership to it and be proud to be in it. If uh, they vote for me, they will get someone uh, who wouldn't make uh, knee-jerk decisions. Uh, my opinions will be weighed and I'll be sure to make them uh, come across and, and be counted. So I, I guess that's it at the moment. Next, it's Thomas Conkannon. In terms of where I see the trust in three years' time, I, I want to be part of a board that is working with new ownership at Newcastle United. Um, ideally, that would be great. But in the meantime, we just have to continue for to continue to push for better structured dialogue with the club um, and continue to push for proper representation on the on the matters that we that we have a we can have a say in the fan the, the decisions that affect fans the most. You know that doesn't mean have a have a say on the players or who the or who the manager is, but it's having an impact on the decisions that affect fans the most. Um, you know, get the fans who, who walked away back on side. We can really, as a trust, we can push on, we can meet people. You know, we've, we've proved throughout the last few months about meeting people online, if, you know, meeting people all over the world, stuff that we've never been able to do before. And, you know, so we can continue to do that and then hopefully we can continue to meet um, people face-to-face. Face-to-face. And, really build this membership from 14,000 up to 20, 30, 40, 50,000. I want us to become the biggest fan organisation um, of, of a football club in in the country. I want us to continue to be playing a key role with our national fan organisation, the Football Supporters Association, continuing to push their campaigns such as sustain, sustain the game, legalised standing at football, ticket pricing. Um, I'm also on the, the kick-off times working group, so I, I want to continue doing that and um, a challenge this year, disregard for for match-going fans in the scheduling of live football. Um, I think one thing that's been proved is that we're the most important thing about the game that's been proved throughout this pandemic. And we need to, be in start, we need to start being checked with the respect that we deserve. And I plan to work, work alongside the, the current board. Um, whoever, you know, whoever gets elected, um, if I'm lucky enough to be elected, it would, you know, obviously that, that's up to the members. And, and work with fan organisations around the country, and even with football supporters Europe. You know, work with work with fans around Europe to to get us into a better standing with the ones that, that govern our game. Over to Mark Corby. If I'm voted onto the onto the board, obviously I would be absolutely delighted from a personal perspective because it's something I really really want to be a part of. Um, in the next three, I think initially, as I've said before key is if, if we've got Mike Ashley for the next six months, a year, two or even three years, the, the key is communication with him. We've, we've got to try and build the communication with him. Everyone wants it. Um, a lot of people have just given up and they, they sort of use Mike Ashley in a way to, to try and distance themselves, I suppose, away from the trust because they think, where well, it's a waste of time. 
Actually, doesn't want to know. We we've we've got we've got to improve that. We've got to make sure that our voice is heard and the supporters' voices are heard. Um, you know, so so short term, if we we do have Mike Ashley, then um, that that's that's absolutely key. But overall, if we've got Mike Ashley, or hopefully we've got new owners, ideally we want fan representation on the board, don't we? We we'll want that with uh, ideally with new owners. But um, but that that's key. Um, you know, essentially much much better communications with whoever owns the club. Um, we've got we've got to feel like we are part of the club because, as I mentioned in my um, my statements, you know, when John Hall and Kevin Keegan absolutely revolutionised the football club, everyone wanted to be a part of it. Um, supporters who could get in the ground, we had a waiting list of I believe five thousand. Everyone was walking around the, the the city with the strip on. If you didn't have the home strip, you made sure you had the UH strip. You know, tickets were in huge demand, and they were like gold dust. And everyone went along with this huge, huge bandwagon that the games couldn't come quick enough. And I suppose, you know, within the next three years. It would be absolutely fantastic if we can sit here in 2023 and we get a fraction of that feeling back. It would be absolutely amazing if we would get the whole whole lot back and we're we're on the up and we're challenging for Europe, we're challenging for trophies, we're buying you know some of the best players in the world. But let's be realistic: football's changed that much. It's it's probably not going to happen. But if we have it that 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 sort of connectivity with the ball, uh, with the with the football club. And you know, have real pride in 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 who you're supporting, and not just the eleven on the pitch and the subs, but have pride of who you go, you know, where you're going into. You know, the the, the ground needs you know total total renovation. Um, and sometimes I feel like supporters go to the game out of habit, and myself included. Sometimes I I don't even apart from the ninety minutes, I'm 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 not even in the ground. You know, I'm I'm literally straight in straight out. Back in the day, you would go to the ground a long time before kickoff because you want to soak up the atmosphere. The atmosphere I was building, the the atmosphere around the ground was electric. It's it just seems all lost now, and we we, we need we need to try and get that back. And for me, uh, fans representation on the board, they would listen to us, they would understand we've got countless years of support between us. We know what works. We need to be listened to, and um, you know, as I said before, the, the key for me is building communication and just making sure that every single member of the trust has got a voice. Last but definitely not least, and to finish off the contributions from those up for election tonight, it's Charlotte Robson. Um, assuming that I am successful, hoping that I'm successful, and um you know, looking forward to three years because I believe it is a three-year term. I would um, love to see the trust have grown. I'd love to see the trust double in size. We have absolutely got, you know, if you can fill St. James's Park, we should have at least that many members. Um, and and I, and I would like to see the trust with a seat at the table at, um, at the club. I would like to see them consulted regularly on on fan um fan issues i would like to see um pressure put onto the club for more communication the communication between the club and fans is 
non-existent at the moment, really. I think they can point to like one or two examples where they've managed to send an email, but at the moment it's rubbish. And I think the trust has real influence and real power to change that. And so I would really, um, I'd really like to see that um, happen in the next three years. Um, you know, if I, if I do get onto the board, and I'd like to see, um, I'd like to see links with local businesses and communities and things like that, and the club. Um, increased or or started and i think i think there are so many things that the club can do to um instigate change um on on that sort of local level that the trust can assist with so i'd really like to see that happen um in the next three years um and positive moves towards that at the very very least but really i'd like to see it happen and um and yeah, I'd like to see the trust hold events. I'd like to see, I'd like to see our power grow. Basically, as as a fan base, we're an extremely passionate fan base, and I think we can make a difference. You should vote for me because I am very passionate about this fan base. I'm very excited about the opportunity to um, represent you on the board of the trust. I think that there is so much potential for power um, to, for the trust to influence. Um, the club and the community and its communication with fans. Um, I am very diligent and I have a lot of time on my hands so I can really dedicate myself to this um, and I'm very approachable and I'm very happy to listen to you and and, and, and be your conduit. So I would be really, really grateful um, for the opportunity to represent the fans of this mad football club. That's it, an hour and a half of contributions there from 11 different Newcastle United supporters based across the United Kingdom and the world. We are delighted that so many fantastic fans there have, have you know, put themselves up for this election. It would mean the world to them if they could have your vote. It would mean a lot to, to the current trust board if you would engage with this election and vote, become a member be part of something bigger we need you and i'm also grateful as ever to the fantastic true faith listeners uh, for taking the time to to listen to this show you can do us a massive favor by leaving us a five-star review on apple podcasts if that is indeed your chosen choice of podcast platform and that'll do from me thanks for listening you'll obviously hear from me again very soon on a different matter the results of the election are back end of next week thursday or friday i forget which i should really know but i've forgotten and it's late and thanks once again to in no particular order um you know to all of the candidates and remember your choices are are clear you've got johnny jeffrey john steve adam linda thomas danny mark charlotte and alex uh, only five of them can can join the board so i hope they've done enough individually to secure your vote tonight thanks for listening without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at granger we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.